public service announcement to our vegan guests and listeners. No animals were harmed during the recording of this or any episode of Barstool Banter. This episode will also have gluten-free options available for any and all guests and hosts. You're listening to Barstool Banter. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Barstool Banter. I'm your host, Dave. With me, as always, is the amazing and beautiful Nikki. Hello. Today we have a returning guest filling the slot as bartender for this podcast while Johnny is higher than giraffe pussy recovering from dental surgery. The lovely and talented Red. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for coming back on here. And of course we also have the man who makes us not sound like complete jackasses, Kane. Hi guys. Thank you for doing such a wonderful job for us. I do what I do. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. Back home from New Orleans, we have the stunning Aurora Borealis of the Duluth Dolls. So glad it was in the stars to get you on Barstool Banter. Hello, how's it going? It's going great. Now, Aurora, on our podcast, we try to emulate typical bar conversation, tell a few funny stories, and highlight some of the great people that make the bar life in the Twin Port such a vibrant culture. We are also going to learn a few things about you along the way. Uh, that being said, let us partake in the great conversation lubricant and get this started. Cheers. 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 Drinking is a great team sport. Now, uh, Aurora, we mentioned, uh, you have been in New Orleans for roughly the last two years. Yep. That's right. Yep. Uh, why did you decide to pack up and move to New Orleans? So I should say it was because of, uh, Corona and everything closed down there, but really it was probably because of the heat in the summer. I did two summers down there and I said, that's the last one. Nope. Not again. Uh, humidity can be a bitch down there. Yeah, when they come up here and it's 80 degrees and nobody has air conditioning anywhere, so it's much worse than it would have been if I <laughs> stayed down here. Yeah. Well, there's no point when we only have like a month and a half of this warm weather. Usually, usually. You know, by the time you get the house cooled down, snow's falling. Yeah. Well, I mean, a tower new tavern has AC downstairs, but not up here where we record. It's It's quite... It's actually not as hot as I thought it was going to be, to be totally honest. No. But, I mean, like, my house doesn't have it. Like, right. houses don't have it they up don't. here. Yeah. So, it's just, it's it's funny. If I, like, I, everybody has it in New Orleans. I didn't know when I first moved there that you have to change the filter for air conditioning. So, my landlord came over after I'd been living there six months, and he was like, have you not changed this? This is the worst one I've ever seen. I'm like, I have no idea. I know, I've never had air conditioning before. I came from Duluth. <laughs> right, yeah. We just don't have it up there. Yeah, no one believed me. You know, what's bad is given my um, normal, you know, my profession in HVAC, you would, would, you'd be surprised of how many houses I go to and it's the same thing. It's like, all oh, the air conditioner's not working. First thing we check is the filter and there's about four years worth of dust built up on it. It's like, oh, we didn't know. Well, that, that's because everybody knows, well, most homeowners should know in, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that you have to change your filter for your furnace. Yeah. Like she said, most. Houses don't have, like, an in-home AC unit, so you don't really think to do it. It's not something you know, because you hear about furnaces starting house fires. No. Here's yes. a question. Do, is this why we keep having all the random power outages, like everyone in the city cranking up their AC? and that's No, it's uh, everybody keeps turning their hair dryers on at the same time. Oh. <laughs> Everybody's making toast at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be super cool. Like, could that be, like, a version of a flash mob where everybody pushes the toaster down at the same time? I'm in. See what would happen, yes. See if we can short, short out the power company. Yeah, I'm sure the power company would love that. So now, you were um, a bartender and a burlesque dancer in the Twin Ports. Yep. Uh, did you continue that when you went down south? Yeah, absolutely, yep. Um, yeah. I bartended on a, a really popular street, not as popular as bourbon, but kind of like more like a more adult bourbon, like a little bit classier. Um I bartended there. We had really good live music. And then um, my other job was um, performing burlesque at a absinthe and jazz hall. So that was a lot of fun. Okay. And for our listeners who may not be that, uh, may not know that much about burlesque, uh, could you explain that to our listeners? So I get most people. (laughs) (laughs) So usually when I tell people that I do burlesque, they're like, oh, you sing. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. You don't want to hear me sing. It's because of the movie Burlesque. Everyone thinks it's like Cher and Christina Aguilera. Right. No, technically it's like vintage striptease. So it's what you would have seen at a show back in like the um, like the 40s or the 50s. 
And there's new like neo burlesque, which is a lot more modern, but usually it involves um, kind of like striptease artists. I gotta say though, because I've I know Aurora from way back in the day, and I've heard you sing, and you're Wait. actually a really good singer. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, choir. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we go way back, way back. Thank you. <laughs> I've I've always wanted to see a burlesque show, but I, like I wouldn't even know where to go see it. Well, I got my start with the Duluth Dolls, um, and I, they're not—they're kind of on a hiatus because of like the virus. But um, they do perform like around Lake Superior and Duluth normally, um, and they're really awesome. I was with them for five years, and they've got a lot of really, really talented performers. So if they start up again, you should check it out. Oh, absolutely! Really fun. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Now, New Orleans is—you know—it's putting it lightly—a crazy party town. Uh, we're sure you've seen some incredible things while you were down there. What are some of your more standout moments that you can remember? Oh, gosh, that I can remember. Um, I So I, I didn't live in the French Quarter. That's like where the uh, majority of like the partying takes place. But I, I worked in the French Quarter. Um, so I honestly, I would just kind of try to avoid it like during like Mardi Gras, or, like really busy times. Just it would just be so wild. Um Bourbon Street, everyone's heard of it. It's just um, lots of lots of partying, lots of um, you know drunk college kids puke in the street. Just oh. yeah, <laughs> it's wild. I, I tell everyone if they're going into New Orleans for the first time, like walk down Bourbon Street once and then go hang out on Frenchmen. That's where I would work. <laughs> it's a little bit more tame. Yeah, I think if if I were to go to New Orleans, I'm pretty sure that I would go to just make a stop at Bourbon Street. Ooh. Yeah, you want to see it. Yeah, experience. Absolutely whatever but that that's not my i just i can't imagine i couldn't hang there are so many bars on bourbon street i would and a lot of them have like a one drink minimum so like if you're bar hopping and you're with friends you go to the next bar and like you can't bring your drink in so you chug it on the street you go in and they make you buy one so it's like just part of this like culture where you like just like so much booze (laughs) but you can have a drink on the street I, I do think we could probably hang, <laughs> but we probably don't want to because I don't think other people can hang. Like she's saying, there's a lot of college people. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the crowd would get to me. The, the old man would come out in me real quick down there, I'm sure. Get off of my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even your lawn. I don't think the alcohol, alcohol consumption would be the issue. Yeah. I think it would just. Are there roving packs of woo girls like there are oh, here? Absolutely. And well, and I would try to get those girls into my bar because it would be good for business for me. But yeah, we would have like bachelorette parties and stuff like that. A lot of yeah, the woo girl. I actually, so I um, sorry, I puked on Bourbon Street once, so I was part of it. But okay, no, I was with my mom. Yeah, she was like her first time in New Orleans, and I brought her to this absinthe bar that I liked. It wasn't one that I worked at um, on Bourbon Street, and. She and I were enjoying, like, our absinthe drinks, and she wanted to move on, so I just kind of, like, tossed mine back. And if you've ever had absinthe, it's very, like, it's a very strong drink. It's it's a little potent, yeah. It's, inti- it's intense. So, and then I, we got up, and I, like, walked right out, and it just, like, immediately, like, I puked into, like, a garbage can on the side of the street. And there's a lot of like, these, like, tourist shops, and these, this woman, like, working in this tourist shop came out and, uh, like, offered me, like, a bottle of water, and, like, we're really sweet, and it just was, like... I don't know, kind of unexpected that I was, like, so taken care of. But I was like, God, I'm one of the, like, the trashy tourists that peeped on Bourbon Street. <laughs> you baptized it yeah. as, as a as a new residence. Right, yeah. Well, at least you made it into the trash can. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I had the wherewithal to, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, being my luck, I'd go to puke in the trash can, be no bag, and it'd just be one of those, like, wire ones. So there's real no <laughs> You container. just made it really hard to clean up. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Sprinkler. So that's my, yeah, that's my Bourbon Street puking experience. So now, uh, New Orleans is known for uh, Mardi Gras. Uh, what can you tell us, Northerners, about the festival and why we should go? Oh, man, it's... Um, you touched base on a little bit, but... Yeah, it's it's a, you know, huge celebration. It has to, it dates back to, like, um, like Fat Tuesday. It's New Orleans is a very Catholic city, um, and so it's, like, the celebration... Um, Gosh, make myself sound like an idiot. It's I think it's right after Lent ends. So it's the celebration or maybe you know. It's a celebration before. Yeah, yep. There you go. But uh but yeah, so it's this huge like everyone celebrating, drinking, eating. You just you wanna if you're gonna go to it, you just might you wanna hydrate. That's my best advice. <laughs> hydrate Hydrate. Yeah. That's always great advice. <laughs> are are there rehydration vans down like like there are in Las Vegas where they like roam around and will come to your hotel room and give you an IV from a bunch of oh, nurses. Oh, so I actually, 
I get hangovers so bad. I actually looked that up one time, and it, it is a thing. It's like I think a hundred dollars to like get it done. But um, I'm so bad, honestly. Like I really tried to like avoid like Mardi Gras as much as I could. I the first, I moved down there during Mardi Gras actually. So that was my introduction to the city. So I went to like a few parades and then the next year I was working Mardi Gras. So if I wasn't working, I was at home and, you know, you kind of want to stay away from it a little bit. But yeah, it's a fun time. Is that when, uh, like when Mardi Gras is about to hit, you just wake up, about to go to work and be like, man, traffic's going to suck. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. I just, you know. Too much, too many tourists. So, I like my friends, if they want to go to New Orleans, I recommend like do it like on the off season when you're not gonna have to like wait in line for everything. And yeah, okay. So, like during the actual festival, I mean, what's the average wait time on a drink for say the bar you're working at? The bar I was working at it was a pretty small bar, and we were cash only. Uh, a lot of places in New Orleans are cash only, which I think is kind of um unusual nowadays. Yeah, you get better tips that way. Yeah, oh, well, and absolutely. well. People would get mad about it, but I think it, I was told that it dates back to Katrina, like when, like they didn't have, like everything was cash because they didn't have like uh, computers and everything working. Everything was offline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a benefit to working there. Um, so for me, it wasn't very long because I had a small bar and it was like, you could only fit so many people. So it was a, not too long of a wait, but at a bar on Bourbon Street, I'd say 15 minutes, maybe. It's still a long minutes. time away for a drink. Yeah. So you get your drink and then you get back li- back in line. For your next one. Yeah, exactly. You just order two at a time. They're more lax about that down there than up here for, like, the serving restrictions, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could serve more than one drink for... But we actually had a one-drink minimum that people would get really upset about. And then they could order, like, a glass of tap water. But I would charge them a dollar. Other bartenders would charge them $3 for it. For water? For a glass of water. Because we had a one-drink minimum. Like, well, if you don't want a drink, I'll like, you can buy a glass of tap water from me. Okay. so I was a lot nicer than some bartenders. <laughs> yeah, I can get that. Yeah, it's, it's not worse than that. You know, on a busy night, somebody just coming up. Yeah, can I get a water? No. <laughs> you can get a beer in a water or a shot in a water. Or We have I, such a small space. that I, I kind of feel like to maybe enjoy that experience, I, I would probably drink elsewhere or drink at home and then maybe hit up a bar or two for we talking about we, yeah. we, We'd be filling our water bottles with whiskey and walking around. <laughs> well... <laughs> Not, not pool water. Not pool I'd, water. I'd be fine with pool water. I don't care. Water's water. It hydrates. Doesn't matter where it came from. Right. Yeah. You can do the South Dakota death mix. My friends did. Uh, that is equal parts Pedialyte and Everclear. For <laughs> 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 so when you want to get I real fucked up and don't have the time. I don't know if that's smart or... So so this is how my friends put it to me. They, they were like, we have... I was like... Because we used to play Xbox Live, and I'm like, how are you guys always on? And they're like, there's three things to do in South Dakota. Meth, drink, and Xbox. And I'm like, all right, well, you guys have the drinking and the Xbox down, so uh, good for you. I mean, that's actually kind of smart. I am really considering that drink right now. (laughs) Uh, I call it the South Dakota Death Mix. South Dakota Death Mix. That's uh, Pedialyte Never Clear. Pedialyte Never Clear. All right, and so now do you have any tips or advice for a Midwesterner going down to Mardi Gras? Uh, Musty location, things to do, things to avoid. Well, hydrate, number one. Drink a lot of water. The French Quarter is an awesome place to hang out. Definitely take a tour of the Garden District. Those are, like, really beautiful houses, like the mansions. The woman who wrote Interview with a Vampire has a, a mansion there. Be careful of floats. It was really sad this year. We Two people died getting run over by floats. No shit. We had a really, like, cursed Mardi Gras. I don't know if you heard about it, the Hard Rock Hotel collapse. They were doing construction on it. It's, like, on one of the main streets in New Orleans, and two construction workers died. And then, so, Mardi Gras happens. They couldn't get the bodies out of the hotel. So, it, like, the, the hotel is looming over Mardi Gras with two bodies stuck in it, and then we have two deaths. Like, I, just, I think it's just was cursed. Is that place, like, built on a cemetery or something? Sounds like the start of another Anne Rice novel right there. It, exactly, yeah. It's definitely, yeah, there's some darkness to the city. But I think that's what yes. makes it romantic and attractive. So jo- Johnny just made a comment about all the graves being above ground. So everybody thinks it's because um, we're below sea level and everything would be like full, filled with water if you dug them underground. It's actually because back in the 1700s, it was very in vogue to do the mausoleums above ground. Or that's what I was told when I toured the cemeteries. 
I remember hearing that, but I always kind of thought it was because of the sea level. Thing. That's right. that's what I always thought. But so every tour I went on through these old beautiful cemeteries, uh, that's what they said that it was just what was popular yeah. in France. Yeah, I was about to ask you if you if you toured any of those cemeteries. Like I've only seen uh, pictures. I've only drove through New Orleans once. Um, the only thing I remember from that is the three mile bridge. That's it. Uh, oh, you're the causeway. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, that goes to the North Shore. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a long, a long way. Yeah, I just remember being halfway across that bridge and panicking. Started to freak <laughs> out a bit, you know, because you, all you see is water. Like you see a coastline way off in the distance, but it's a commitment. If you're gonna, you know, get on the causeway, you definitely you want to know that you want to be going that way. Yeah. For sure. So now, <laughs> uh, is there anything to avoid in New Orleans? Uh, yeah, be cur- I mean, just uh, keep your wits about you. Before I moved down there, everyone warned me that it was a really high crime city. I only had my house broken into twice when I was there. <laughs> only twice. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I just, I, I tell tourists, like, like, be smart. Like, don't go try to buy drugs from someone in the French Quarter. You're probably going to get your money stolen or like, you know, stuff like that. It's a, it just use common sense, basically. But I don't think it's that dangerous of a city if you're being smart. Okay. Yeah. So now, um. Yeah, something I've always wondered. You know, you see it on TV, but about voodoo, yeah, uh, and how it is practiced quite often down there. Mm-hmm. Did you run across anybody who did practice voodoo? It's hard to distinguish what is like kind of um, touristy and for like profit versus what's real. I do really believe that it is like a very real thing down there. Um, just kind of what I ran into was. Um, Kind of more touristy. I so I told you when my mom was in town and she got to see me puke in a garbage can. I um, she uh, she's kind of a sensitive, and um, I was telling I brought her into like a voodoo shop in the French Quarter, and I told her it's a you know it's all fake, it's just tourists, it's not real. And we get in there, and she just like felt like really like heaviness and like had to get out right away. So maybe maybe there's something to to the touristy stuff. So burlesque is a very rare and unique art form this day and age. Uh, what got you involved with it and eventually the Duluth Dolls? So it's a funny story. I um, had been dancing and doing theater, uh, and I guess singing a little bit. Uh, Red um, ratted me out there, uh, <laughs> like throughout uh, my whole life. But um, I ended up, ha- uh, I had a friend who was in cosmetology school, and she went to um, try to get a job doing hair for a burlesque show. She needed a hair model, so she brought me. And I got to talking to the producer, and they liked me, and they ended up giving me a job waitressing that show. And then um, I waitressed the show, it went really well, and the next show they had, they asked me if I wanted to dance in it. So that's how that started. And that's, um, I ended up starting out with the group Northern Lights Burlesque. That was my first kind of introduction to burlesque. And then eventually I auditioned for the Duluth Dolls and was with them for five years, so... Okay. It's kind of an accident, a happy accident. So performing with the dolls, what are some standout moments either you have had on stage of one of your shows or with one of your fellow performers? Oh, my gosh. I, um, I Just being on stage is really intoxicating. I like, feel like for me as a performer, I really feed off of the audience. So like the bigger the crowd, the better. And especially performing in Duluth or you know Superior, where I, I know a lot of people in the crowd. That's really exciting. And, okay. I, you know, I got I did a couple like duet numbers with some of my best friends who are like beautiful, sexy performers. And that's always, you know, really, really fun. So I had a lot of good so, experience. So how much training goes into being a burlesque per- dancer performer? Yeah, or? yeah. Either one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's the thing. There's some women in our in the Duluth Dolls who have been training like their whole lives as a dancer. And there's some who are a lot more self-taught. I feel like I'm. Somewhere in the middle, I have some dance training, not as much as I'd like, but I've done like a lot of research on uh, performers from back in the day, back in the uh, heyday of burlesque. So it's kind of, it's all across the board, really. Depends on what kind of performance you want to, want to create. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that you do a lot of practicing in your free time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel a difference as far as like, Know, dancing in Duluth, where you think you maybe know people, or versus in New Orleans, where you, you know, maybe don't know know anybody. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I would be more inclined to be a little more forthcoming or a little more outgoing, not yeah. knowing anybody. 
it did take a little bit in Duluth to kind of like loosen up. Like if I knew that there's going to be people in the audience that I knew. And in New Orleans, it was mostly tourists and stuff like that. Just, well, the thing, the bar that I performed at in New Orleans, it was a lot smaller. I, we had live music in the front and then we had my dance room in the back. So, um, it, and people would buy tickets for the back. So, I mean, the most I could fit back there was like 13 people. And usually it would be a lot smaller. It'd be maybe a couple or five people. And me, like, so used to like feeding off of a big crowd, it took a lot of work to kind of like get that kind of performance for a smaller group of people. Yeah, it's a little more intimate, I suppose. Yeah. So I, I would, personally, I would rather have a big crowd of people I know than a couple of people that I don't know, you know, but you used to it. So now, what was uh, your first time on stage like? I mean, as far as overcoming nerves and uh, just your overall emotional um, state of mind. Right. Well, I, uh, I've been on stage a lot, like doing like theater and stuff like that. But the first time I actually like took my clothes off on stage was... Kane, put that lotion away. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, was a, it was very liberating. It was a small small group of people. I even think there was a couple like old ladies there. It was like at a tattoo convention. So it okay. wasn't even that big of a thing, but it was just, it still was very like a freeing feeling. To... A good place to start though. A good place to start. Yeah. And I, to, to feel the kind of high of something that you're kind of doing something that feels a little bit wrong. It, yeah. It was very exciting. So I, I've never actually been to a burlesque show. Um, when you talk about taking your clothes off, like we're not talking about like Taking so, your clothes off and making your ass clap. That's, like, different. I mean, sometimes that, sometimes that does happen um, with burlesque. <laughs> no, no, no. Because people Levels, hear... Yeah. People hear... You try and engage the... Yeah. With, um, I don't think that a lot of people in our area are as cultured to know the difference between burlesque taking your clothes off... And, and like, a strip club. A yeah. strip club taking mm -hmm. your clothes off. So... Well, I mean, Sorry for making Dave walk away. No, no, I've seen an embarrassment, but like imagining, no, I've, I've never experienced it. And right, I'm, right. I'm curious. No, I've seen ass clap, ass clapping happen during um, burlesque shows. I've seen an ass clap, but uh, no, it's okay. So to answer your question, like usually burlesque, like there's pasties to, that cover the nipples or like little nipple hats, and then um, usually, I mean, you can wear like a thong or like that's usually what it goes down to. So it's not like full nudity, yeah. Can, can they forever be called nipple hats now? <laughs> yeah, that's a new term. I, I mean, I, it's a good it's a good descriptor if you haven't seen a pasty. Yeah. But so, I mean, yeah, it's not full nudity. Honey. Yeah, I get confused between pasties and pasties, which are apparently totally different things. Yes. They are, yeah, they are yeah, completely different things. One has rutabagas, the other one is nipples. I was going to say, one you Both eat, one, are delicious. one you eat, and one you want to eat. So, yeah. That's Honey, good. go put your nipple hat on and make your ass clap, you know? You know, Sorry when I was for the ass clap comment, but like when, when I bartended at Centerfolds, I remember distinctly uh, one night seeing a video. I, I didn't see the live performance, but a video of one of the girls putting two very large googly eyes on each cheek of her ass and then uh, twerking. So, I mean, oh, they, kinda kinda, got both. they go like, yeah, right, yes, kind of yeah. like rolling the eyes. Yeah. But it really, it's just about, um, it's art. So whatever kind of performance art you can come up with, that's a little bit. I One time I said with one of my teachers who was part of the dolls that it was sexual. And she goes, no, it's not sexual, it's sensual. Sensual. Yeah. I so I mean, but I mean, it is a little bit sexual. I can but. see that. I mean, sensual, it's, it's a little more, from what I understand from talking to you and the research I did before, it's, it's a little bit classier a little more yeah and i have a lot of respect for strippers and stripping no, I like and sensual um i like i don't think they i i like to go to strip clubs i think it's you know um entertaining and but it's just a little bit more so uh, the majority of people that i would perform for in new orleans were middle-aged couples so i think it's a lot more digestible for people who don't aren't comfortable enough to go to a strip club not that there's anything wrong with going to a strip club but it's just a little bit more um like you know it's comfortable a couple that wants to spice maybe throw a little spice into their life but not exactly not yeah. like yeah dot, dot dot i don't know like when i've seen burlesque shows which i've seen interestingly most around pride in this area and what i was always struck by was how like the, the feeling was much more like even though it was a crowd it was as if you were performing for your partner there yeah. was there was kind of a weird intimacy it's about whereas, the tease yeah. right it's mm -hmm. about the tease whereas stripping is more about like this kind of the, like the electricity it's of sexuality yeah, yeah it's very raw so and both are fun both are entertaining but it's yeah they're just a little bit different 
my only real experience with like looking into burlesque shows is I have a couple of friends that um, we do Dragon Boats together. They're from Canada. They do a burlesque show in Thunder Bay. And it's just, it's a lot of uh, theatricality. Yeah. Yeah. And sensual, mm-hmm. you know, it's sexuality and theatricality versus just like getting naked. Right. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Both can be fun and there's a place for both, but they're a little yeah. different. Yep. I'm also going to point out that I only hear Nikki use big words after about three shots on the podcast. <laughs> Which big word did I just use? Theatricality. Yes, Theatricality. that one. I like. I like it. Do you like that vernacular? A bit. I, um, that martial education. So, Aurora, because I think it's sixty-four percent of our audience is female. Uh, this goes out to them for this next question: to perform in a burlesque show need to be very comfortable in your own skin. What advice would you give to someone who wants to perform but is lacking the nerve? So here, okay, so honestly, 60%, I feel like is it goes with burlesque too. I think a little bit more women enjoy burlesque than men. Like men will usually just go to a strip club, but I think burlesque, like I said, is a little bit more digestible for women. It's a, it's a big difference between uh, the the dance or just getting up there and clapping your ass cheeks. Yeah, and a lot of women enjoy strip clubs, but it's just maybe if you're like easing your way in, burlesque is a little bit more you know easy. I like everyone has body issues. I certainly did the first time I went on stage, and I feel like performing kind of like healed a lot of those body issues for me because you're like uncomfortable in certain ways and then you're showing an entire audience who's like clapping and enjoying it and that's like can be like really healing in certain ways so a lot of women come up to me and they say oh I can never do what you do like I I feel like I need to lose weight or I'm uncomfortable with this and I'm like no like really burlesque celebrates like all bodies burlesque celebrates all ages there's women that I performed with who are in their uh their 50s there's really no limits to it it just kind of celebrates sexuality or sensuality in all its forms well the, i mean there's men's obsession with betty white like i don't know betty white is on dave's bucket list of like, yes current no, betty, white. betty white or betty page, betty page? no betty white <laughs> oh betty white oh betty white. <laughs> it's not the bucket it's like, the um the free pass list yes. oh the laminated list yeah. <laughs> she, she she's like number I'm one laminating that but and i'm not talking gold need to be laminated though <laughs> Good to know. Okay. I'm not talking Golden Girls. I'm talking current Betty White. I would yeah, no, do. He totally. I mean, yeah, she's she's like a lady. But I would, she's confident. I would go down on that moldy roast beef sandwich she has. I hope you have such a way with words, Dave. Classy. I adore you and your. You know that being said, uh, <laughs> before we move on, we're going. Uh, we need another shot round of shots. Oh Lord, give uh, me a half, please. Yeah. That's like, we were drinking, Dave and I were drinking all day yesterday at like a house party. It was so hot and humid that neither one of us, I don't think, got drunk, period. Like, we didn't even, I didn't even catch it. Maybe a oh, little really? bit of a buzz, but. I, you'd think that the heat would make it happen faster. But. Well, it was so hot, I was drinking so much water, and then we. Oh, food, okay. Yeah. But it was so hot that I can't drink at the pace I would. Normally, yeah. Normally. It's so. Yeah, it, it was just... Um, Our intention was to go to a house party and just get, kind of get a little fucked up. And well, and it, what, what was nice is it was... It didn't happen. What was nice is it was occasionally sprinkling yesterday or raining. And instead of doing like normal people, grabbing all your stuff and going inside while it rains, no, we just fucking sat there and continued to play giant Jenga and screw it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You're in Wisconsin. Yes. Giant Which Jenga. you were supposed to be there yesterday. Yeah, I... Did not show up. We know. We were there. <laughs> Can we do a shot in honor of our uh, bartender who's currently out? Can I borrow one of his toasts? Let's borrow one of his toasts. Here's to you and here's to me. The best of friends we'll ever be. But if by chance we disagree, to hell with you. And here's to me. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> it's been a while since I've heard that one. That was relatively that's, PG. That's <laughs> All right, Aurora. Handed you an outline of the podcast earlier, and you were already not looking forward to this next section. So, our bread and butter here on Barstool Banter are bar stories. Uh, with you working and playing in the Twin Ports, uh, let's hear your most memorable bar story. In the Twin Ports? Or New Orleans. I mean, you got to start somewhere. And so, like being an inexperienced bartender, and uh, stuff happens, and you're not really, you don't really realize that that's not uh, normal. Um, one time, I don't know, can we name bars? Is that... You can if it was a good store. 
So it was the it was the one bar that Johnny and I were. Johnny taught me how to bartend, and it was the jar. The jar. <laughs> yep. I had too many shots. Okay. It was the bar that uh, Johnny taught me how to bartend at, and I worked at with Red. And I was a brand new bartender. Um, this guy comes up to the bar, and he, I don't can't remember what he wanted, but it was some like kind of expensive whiskey, and he wanted two pint glasses full of it. Oh. And I was like, you know, I can't really do that. I don't think I can do that. And he, then he gave me this whole, he's like, well, I just got back. Like, uh, like I'm like, you know, a veteran. It's damn near a back. whole bottle. And so he, like, he gave me this whole thing. He's like, no, I like, I just served this country and I just got back. This is what I want. I'm like, okay. So like, and I gave it to him and I rang it up shot for shot. And it, I think it came to like $70 and he just like left $50 on the bar. was really rude and walked away. And I was like, all right, well, that's what I get for, you know letting him walk away with two pint glasses of liquor yeah man so that was that was one of my okay inexperienced bartender Uh, it's it's when you should have just taken a 10 minutes and just sit there with a tumbler (laughs) like two three (laughs) you sir if you just go like down the street to the liquor store and buy a bottle i don't know just like a lot of stuff like that brad and i worked together at a bar at Used to be kind of like a riffraff bar, and they were trying to like rebrand as like kind of like a uh, swanky pool hall, and it didn't really work. <laughs> we still got a lot of the same clientele, and I didn't always have a bouncer there, so it kind of changed my personality in the way where I kind of had to kind of be a bitch to everyone that came in just so they wouldn't mess with me because it was a really big bar, and you like just really couldn't have anyone, you couldn't really let anyone fuck with you. I had to, like, meet everybody right away in a way, like, you can't fuck with me, you know, so it, um, it kind of changed my personality, and then I went to work at, like, an actual, like, swanky martini bar, and I had to be, like, oh, I have to be nice to people? Oh, like, goodness gracious. Okay. It's a lot harder, yeah, after yeah. coming from a place where you can tell people to fuck off if they fuck with you at all. Do you remember the time I gave you a bottle opener that actually looked like the one I'm using today, and then this jackass stole it off the bar? No, I don't remember that. What? Ha- how did we? How did we handle that? Oh, can I tell a story? Go for it. Absolutely. Okay, so I was working with Red, and I w- like okay. This, you've probably already told the story. Something she was having like an altercation with somebody, and a guy like gave her like I don't know. Was you know, this like, the? A, the was this time you were dressed up as Elsa? It no. was not. That was on okay. a train. He gave her. I don't know if you're familiar with the term beat that was, dip, that was but it's like that, right? it's a it's like when you flick someone's tit. And he, like, just a customer flicked your tip. And, like, I would oh. have, like, strangled somebody. That was Titty Poker. That was Titty Poker. That was Titty Poker. Tell it, from- because I've never heard the story from the opposite okay. side. So, okay, I've never, like, I would have probably strangled this person. Johnny, but, stop me. But she decided to handle it in a different way. And she talked to Johnny, and she's like, what can I do? And he's like, you know, do whatever you want to do. That is not okay. So she went into the back and she made some sort of shot. I don't know if it was gin or tequila, but she mixed it with mayonnaise and hot sauce. Tequila. Okay. And decided that um, he had to take that shot. And from then on, he was known as, I thought it was the titty flicker, but I guess it was the titty poker. Yeah. That was the uh, Mexican lumberjack? It, the shot is called a sweaty Mexican lumberjack sweaty Mexican because lumberjack. it is tequila, Yukon Jack, and hot sauce and Which mayonnaise. We have brought up multiple times on this podcast. We, we still, still haven't, haven't had that shot. Season finale. I think we should probably do that I shot. Was, I was about to do a- we will do the sweaty Mexican lumberjack live on Facebook. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I just got to make sure my cardiologist does not watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think car- your cardiologist is watching any of this. You can you can borrow my egg allergy bracelet so you can be like, I don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're, we're going to move on. So we went through a couple memorable ones. What is the most regret? What? You didn't finish your story. This oh, year? no, I did. Yeah, so did? the guy, I don't know. The guy had to take the shot and it was horrible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, oh. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there was like another, like, no, thank you for for. There, there was another layer there. I thought yeah. Yeah. He, he's really good at like continuing on. I have ADD yeah. sometimes. I'm so no, sorry. No, I appreciate and it. Overwriting, that was, that was great. especially after a couple Stories. of these shots. Yeah. That bar just kind of went on and on and on, and it's it's strangeness and surrealness, and it started to feel like a Dolly film, um, like Salvador Dolly. 
No like, shit. Yeah, like the oh. night when, uh, sorry. Uh, the, oh. the night when, uh, I remember the night Johnny got sucker punched by a guy tweaking. I don't think that came up when I was on the podcast. No, but uh, I think it came up on a podcast with Probably. Johnny. <laughs> There was a the girl that wanted his shirt, like, super bad. Oh, I could have swore episode three with Johnny that came up. See, I wasn't there that night. I just saw the Snapchat story after. It, it says something when that was not nearly the strangest thing that ever happened to that place we worked. The night Johnny got sucker punched, he took it. He didn't even flinch, really, although his nose was bleeding. And then myself and an off-duty bartender ran outside after his car to get the plate. And, and Johnny just kind of, you know staunched the blood from his nose and went get back to the bar keep serving and and that was that a true professional he was yes yes. and and also a very huge i mean like weirdest shit happens at pool halls like absolutely yes you're not there to just drink but the weirdest shit happens at pool halls The, the problem is that people who come to play pool don't drink and the people who come to drink definitely don't want to play pool and then they kind of clash um, yeah. So that's how you end up with like a 60 year old pool player's pool cue being commandeered by a guy on meth. That's a good way to look at and, it. And, yeah. And, yeah. and this is an actual thing that happened. And I remember when, when the cops, um, later I checked, you know, you, you check the jail roster every so often to see who you recognize on it. Every so often. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, once a week, twice a week, once a month, whatever. And uh, this guy was on there for having 25 grams of meth. And it was like, well, that explains his behavior. Yeah. Jeez. And that was the other story. If you're interested in hearing the full story, go back to Red's podcast, which was episode six. six. All right. So, Aurora, what? Um, yeah, typically, we go with the most regrettable bar experience, uh, but a lot of people are, uh, they don't want to bring that up because it is regrettable. It's embarrassing, whatnot. Uh, given the many years that you've been a bartender and a burlesque dancer, what is the worst thing you've ever seen go down in a bar? So <laughs> it can be first hand, second hand, whatever. Oh well, so at this pool hall one time, um, my, I, she's been in New Orleans and she's still going back to at this pool hall. I, <laughs> it's like a place of memories, good, bad, and just ridiculous. Yes, a black a black hole of memories, if you will. Um, no, I just I've only had black one fight that I ever had to deal with, and it it was a bunch of women. <laughs> At a pool hall, and I it was I was near closing. Oh. Red probably knows exactly what I'm talking about, and <laughs> see, I could guess a few of the people shirt. involved. You probably know exactly. Like, you know, no, <laughs> you know exactly. Uh, no, I just in there. Um, all of a sudden, a bunch of women um, were were fighting, and there's women up like up on a pool table punching and like fighting, and. Um, I'm just there behind the bar, and like I got up, I got up on the stool, and I'm screaming, "I will call the police!" And they didn't care. And and I think I had a door guy that night, and he was out back taking out my garbage. God bless. Um, so I like was like screaming for the door guy, and yeah. So I didn't actually have to call the police, but it just was like a really comical moment of these like women fighting each other like on the back of like a pool table, and yeah. So that is my most regrettable bartending moment. I'm sure I had more on the other side of the bar. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me a, no, give me a most memorable or most regrettable story at a bar that you weren't at a bar. Oh lord, I probably don't remember if I'm at a bar and I'm not working. Seems to be a recurring theme on this podcast. Is I don't fucking remember. For instance, there was one night outside of oddly enough a pool hall, (laughs) (laughs) a different, a different pool hall. But there was a there was a night where we compared. There was like fifteen people outside. We were comparing nipple sizes. That's like, not regrettable. This is a, no, it's not. <laughs> but it's memorable because this won't ever well, go mem- out of my brain. Mem- that's memorable. Because okay. the girl was the big. The girl that had the biggest tits had the smallest nipples. Yeah. And there were men involved in this competition. Yeah. Yep. So we were all comparing like boob and nip, you know. We're all so, showing it's not very surprising to me. Yeah, it, it was a very memorable experience outside oh, of the pool hall. Or had a memorable experience at a bar. Do you, do you remember the night when we were we were both at at that particular bar under under new ownership now? And I remember distinctly there was a a um, some flashing going on outside, and and then some uh, what you might call inappropriate touching, kissing of of between people. And I remember feeling really bad for them because there were people, like, filming on their phones. There's no oh, way we could force them to stop. But yeah. I, I think you were there that night. 
I don't remember that, but that like that I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. It's um that is that is a bummer. It's like when you watch, it's like oh they're gonna regret it tomorrow, but exactly it's forever on the internet. Quick PSA: We here on Barstool Banter do not discourage going to a pool hall. It can be a lot of fun. Absolutely, no pool halls are so much fun. I spent a lot of years hanging out at pool halls. Never actually worked at a pool hall, but I do know that people get very attached to pool tables. Yes. Yes. Uh, a bar that I used to work with, where we used to record, actually, Grumpy's, they took a pool table out of the bar. And people, like... <laughs> lost their minds. Lost their <laughs> shit about the pool table. And I have mad respect for all my pool player friends. I really do. I, yeah. I have some pool player friends. But they're intense. So They're no, super yeah. intense about their game of pool. They're very intense. And it might be worth noting here, just, just to, to clear the air, that... That uh, Johnny, the usual bartender, Aurora, and I, Red, all worked at the same pool hall, which previously to its incarnation as a pool hall, had been a um, a place that was known to the local authorities. It was, really, it was a dive bar. I'm it, sorry, yeah, but but not like a fun neighborhood dive bar. It was it was dangerous. There there were times like it got shut down from its previous incarnation after an off duty. A police officer, unfortunately, was working as a security officer and shot somebody. Ooh, and, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, it was bad. I lived there at the time, or yeah. around there. And 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 this is kind of, this place, I think, unfortunately, is kind of ill-omened. And no matter how you rebrand it, it's never going to quite shake its old past. No. So Aurora, Johnny, and I had adventures there that make for wonderful story, but terrible experience. I, I, did, <laughs> I did go there. I did go there. Prior to it being the owners that it was when you guys worked there. So mm-hmm. with that connotation and <laughs> I was in college at the time, not a huge drinker. I was a little nervous. They had good sandwiches. It was, it was <laughs> he did. It was very <laughs> sketchy. It, it was, especially before then. It was hard because they tried, I think, very hard to make it a respectable pool hall and it succeeded for a time. But mm-hmm. but then it later became a a return to form, unfortunately. And I think um, that I think that did a lot of damage because you had people who worked there who adored it and loved it and wanted it to, to kind of be the phoenix reborn from the flames, and it wasn't. Um, I, I think there were a few of us who literally bled in the service of that place, and it's 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 kind of unfortunate. Yeah. But we were together, and that made it for good stories. No, we, yeah, there were a lot of good things so, about it. So just just a shout out to. Um our local pool hall here in Superior, because we're recording in Superior. Yeah. Uh, Top Hat Tavern. Jeff, yay, listen. The pool holes don't have to be like that. I don't know. No, I just... And, and I do think that our Superior Pool Hall doesn't have that connotation that I'm aware of. I've never really seen or heard anything bad about the one here in Superior. You know, Jeff, he does great things at Top Hat Tavern. It was there to have a round and shoot a game of pool. And But moving on, we're going to move on to uh, kind of some plugs about yourself, Aurora. Because uh, this podcast is about you and all about you. Somewhat about our stupid shenanigans and tangents that we go on. Uh, speaking of which, before we move on, how's your new Hitachi, Red? It's, uh... <laughs> He brought it up when Nikki went to the bathroom, unfortunately. Um, I have not bought one, but I've seen a lot of them, that heavy machinery version, laying around town. So, I've heard two things. Yeah. I know, I have too. I mean, every single woman. Okay. Every single woman. Who, I think I'm just trying to be nice. No, no, no. no. What, what, women know, and some enlightened men know, and uh, that's that's a blessing. Well, thanks to you, uh, on episode six, I was I did become enlightened. Yeah, I'm just uh, like, because before Hitachi was just you know heavy machinery, and now I realize they have another heavy machinery division dedicated to women. I'm all for it. Well, thank know. thank God, thank God, <laughs> bless Hitachi. We have that to So <laughs> you're you're not going to get any kind of you know uh, rejection of this from the women listening or appearing on it. We're all going to salute them and say thank you. No, I thank just, you. I just feel bad. Nikki was break on us. <laughs> Um, so Aurora, will you be rejoining the Duluth Dolls while you're back up here? So, I mean, I would love to, um, do whatever I can to help out. I, I'm not sure if they're going to be performing within the next year. I guess it has to do with, uh, with COVID. So the, the real, um, 
ironic thing. I've heard a lot of people say that their whole lives were about to like come together right before COVID hit. I had signed with Best Out Burlesque, which was always my my ultimate goal. And they performed at the House of Blues. And I actually, I auditioned with them and then they, they signed, like I signed a contract with them. And then COVID happened. It like was like the week that it happened. I think I was supposed to perform like March like 17th and everything shut down like on the six, or 16th or something like that. Yeah, so I would love to um, continue my burlesque career however I can. I just, I think it depends on, you know, what's going to be happening. It kind of moves us on to the next question. Um, you plan on uh, working any place as a bartender while you're up here? Oh, yeah. I would like to. I, You know, I, I love Duluth. I guess whatever bar will have me. So we'll see. Any prospects at the moment? Any prospects? I mean, I guess if I could work with Red or Johnny, that would be great. But Well, you know, it's funny. Johnny has this uh, new business. And from what I hear, they have he has a lot of openings. Hmm. Our bar service is provided by On The Fly, local bar service professionals. If you're a bar owner in need of a professional to fill in On The Fly or are planning a private party, contact Johnny McGee at 218-349-8931. Service at its best, a fill-in at your request. We're all looking off camera at Johnny right now. <laughs> We're all looking off oh, mic. Previously off mic, I'm sorry. Yours was the... First and only podcast to be video. Uh, because afterwards I realized I suck. And You're telling me I shaved my legs and did makeup for nothing, man? Come on. <laughs> I really not that's a big It deal. was not for nothing. Uh, wow. <laughs> I had two photo shoots I that man. I was supposed to do where they told me to shave my armpits and I did. I shaved my armpits for two photo shoots and they didn't happen. So from now on I'm like is that That's like a? Is that like something that has to be said for a photo shoot? Well, no, like for me, like I don't shave my armpits. By the way, but... don't go French on this photo shoot. Shave your arms. No, but it's a. Uh... Do what you're comfortable with, man. But it was like like a photographer and somebody like an artist like both bailed like simultaneously like two weeks in advance. And I'm like, all right, that's the last time I'm gonna shave my armpits for y'all. <laughs> Y'all, I mean, like I, I y'all out of my time when I shower. Islands, yeah. It might be like a week in between, but that's fine. You can leave it in there. Okay. Don't, don't I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Aurora inspired Female me. Empowering yeah, her. like seriously, Aurora inspired me some years ago to stop always wearing every single day like, uh, like a really super supportive like bra that wasn't always always like the most comfortable because she always wore like these really pretty bralettes that you know you could see and it was it kind of erased a bunch of shame for me about being like oh you don't have to have cleavage if you're big busted like you don't have to yeah and like have them be where they are and so like it's fine i'm way more comfortable now and i don't think i've not heard any complaints from any you know men who might be able to get into the cleavage i'm enjoying the cleavage right now like honestly i appreciate this yeah (laughs) speaking of which Speaking of which, I have honestly considered firing Johnny and hiring you as a producer during this podcast. Well, so if you really want the best, it's it's Johnny and me because we, well, I perform best as a dynamic duo with him because I spent most Can of my Can he just stay behind the scenes like he is right now? And that, that's a Johnny bar. question. <laughs> I mean, I can get you a really good push-up bra if you want, Johnny. Now, because we love Red doesn't mean that we don't love you less. But, I mean, that's my whole thing with burlesque, is, like, that has taught me, like, whatever is natural can be sexual and beautiful. Yes. So, right. Yeah. Like, no shame about not being, like, you know, Instagram perfect. You know, so if I hadn't done burlesque, I probably would have thought, oh, you have to shave your armpits every day and your legs, and you have to... But that's not true at all. Like, it's like, whatever... You like, do that. So, that so, is way, yeah. Something, too, I think that's important to remember as a woman is it's like, you know, women manage to, like, lure cavemen in when there weren't razors and the like. And, well, you know, you do whatever you're comfortable with as a woman. Maybe you don't have to adhere so so strictly to the idea of filters and this and that and always doing makeup and whatever else. And I'll have you know I put on eyeliner for the first time in six months because of coronavirus for this podcast, <laughs> which I'm, I'm proud I managed to make a roughly straight line with it. <laughs> so, you know, it's... I'll put it's, on a clean... Women are beautiful. Oh, I took a shower see? today. There you go. I washed. 
Kane took a horror bath. In in the time <laughs> in the in the time of the pandemic, we have all come together. Absolutely. <laughs> We've all bathed. I, I actually I actually really enjoy the um, outcomes of the the pandemic because like showering takes so much time. As a female, taking a shower and grooming takes so much time. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily stink after right. five days, but no, Six okay. days, I'm like, okay, I probably should take a shower. I admitted but- this to my to my brother Johnny, uh, my adopted brother Johnny, that when, because he was mentioning he was kind of out of it after dental surgery, and I'm like, you're out of it. This morning I showered, and it wasn't till I got out of the shower and dressed that I only shaved one leg. So there is kind of, and you know what? I'm, I'm willing really to tired, bet- and I just can't do anymore. Right, like I'm willing to bet I'm not the only woman who's experienced this. I and did a really and- good job on that one leg. But right, I like did. Two, I just- you know, and I, I went back and I did it more for symmetry than anything else. But, you know, there is something to be said for a kind of the acknowledgement that, you know, Just maybe there's going to be a little lower stubble. Lower expectations a little bit. A little, a little natural. A little bit of, like, female hair. Like, it's kind of sexy. It can be. It can be. I love that it's one-to-one male to female right now. Yeah, this is amazing. I, I, I really do love it. Sorry. I'm not, a, I'm not like, a feminist. I'm absolutely a feminist. I'm okay with with that being said, unfortunately, we are running out of time. Oh, unfortunately. Um, so it is coming to a point. Of course. Yeah. Right. I, I, I was going to touch base on the fact that Nikki beat me to it that Nikki's biggest complaint about the podcast is always, I'm always outnumbered by men. When I mean Kane, we're outnumbered by women. So we're just sitting back the past 20 minutes, just letting y'all go and enjoying the conversation. Awesome, actually. Uh, but while Red pours us our final shots. Oh. Give me, give me a tiny, the smallest. Me too, it's okay. Okay, thank you. While Red pours our final, just tiny final shot. It's fine. Uh, again, this podcast is about you, Roar. Uh, anything you would like to say or get out there to the world while you have the microphone uh, in front of you? I mean, I I would like to, uh, I guess, my Instagram, it's uh, Borealis Burlesque, like Aurora Borealis, B-O-R-E-A-L-I-S. Less. That's my my Instagram. I also have a I have a Patreon myself. Okay. That's a little for like more a little bit more fun stuff. Uh, it's um, Patreon.com/slash/AuroraBrayellis. Okay. Yeah. So be sure to check out her Instagram <laughs> and Aurora. We will have you some merchandise when this podcast premieres. We'll get you some merchandise because by then we should have it. Oh well, thank you, and I will. In turn, advertise um, whatever you get. So with the final shot, I'm Dave. I'm Nikki. I'm Red. I'm Kane. I'm Aurora. Johnny's in the background. Johnny's in the background. Enjoy the rest of your day, people.